Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, I'm Eric McCroskey, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have Dr. Madison Eskimit with us, who's going to talk to us about a really important topic in these critical times where we're starting to emerge from the current COVID-19 Black Swan event. The topic we want to talk about is around mental health and mental health in the workplace, uh, particularly in this new context that we're in. So Madison, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into worker safety. What's, what's passionate about the topic for you? Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. I, yeah, I first got into worker safety in graduate school. I did my PhD in IO psychology, um, that stands for industrial and organizational psychology, which is a study of human behavior and psychology in the workplace. And while I was in grad school, I was offered to complete a concentration in occupational health psychology. And so I did this and I was a trainee with the MAP-ERC, which is the Mountains and Plains Research Center, which is a NIOSH-funded research center. And it was history ever since. They taught me so much about worker health, worker safety, and all the evidence-based approaches behind making the workplace safer for everyone. And that, if that's my passion right there, making the workplace better, um, improving the workplace for everyone. That's excellent. Uh, so what's the current state when it comes to mental health, uh, particularly in light of all the recent events? Yeah, so, well, studies and polls are coming out showing that we have um, more mental health issues in 2020 than in previous years. People are experiencing a lot of emotional distress. Um, there's a study that came out recently showing that compared to 2018, those sampled this year in 2020 were eight times more likely to fit the criteria for serious mental illness. Wow. And it also showed that some groups are struggling more than others. So um, in that 2018 survey, only 4% of individuals between the ages of 18 and 29 reported serious mental distress. Whereas in 2020, the same group was much higher. It was at 38%. Oh my so pretty bad. Yeah, and this, this is also similar for people in their 30s and early 40s too. Um, but those, those differences were just a tiny less, uh, tiny bit less um, different. But um, so that group 18 to 29 is really uh, standing out. And it's especially true for those who have younger kids at home. So mm -hmm. they parsed out the sample to look at those with kids and those without. And there's another gap there as well. So other polls are showing really big numbers too. There was a re recent um, Kaiser Family Foundation poll um, showing that 56% of U.S. adults reported that stress related to the COVID outbreak has caused them to experience negative effect negative effects on their well-being and mental health. So this is like issues with sleeping, increased alcohol abuse, uh, worsening chronic conditions. And these numbers are worse for frontline workers and their families, as well as those ex who have experienced some type of income loss. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of looking at those groups who are suffering, you know, frontline workers, those with income loss, and those who are just trying to juggle everything and have kids at home. 
Wow, that's uh, that's that's really horrible, horrible news to hear in this context, uh, because it's just layering all sorts of different uh, complexities into uh, the the workplace, into people's overall well being um, through this pretty significant crisis. Um, so clearly, we have a problem. Uh, what does it mean for workplace uh, workplaces and for safety specifically? Mm, yeah. So it definitely spills over, right? So when people are experiencing stress at home or experiencing stress at work, there's an opportunity for it to kind of spill into the over into the other domain. You know what I mean? Like when you have this full bucket in one, it just has to go somewhere. So for one, prolonged stress alone is highly related to other issues down the road, like uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, or obesity, sleep problems. Um, concentration impairment, things like that. So clearly, these things are all um, influencing occupational safety and workers' comp claims, especially those things like sleep and memory impairment. They're highly related to safety incidents. And we all know when your mind's not on the job, this can lead to safety issues. So, of course, it's good to consider ways you can support employees during this time. It's the right thing to do, and it's also a good business decision. So. I completely agree with you. Um, and, and we have to really also remember how much people have on their shoulders right now um, and how it can influence their minds at work, um, particularly when it comes to uh, the impact on focus uh, when it comes to safety. I would imagine this has a significant impact. Uh, so now let's shift to people who are working remotely, working from home. Uh, one thing that I keep wondering is why there are more mental health issues, but so many people are teleworking, which uh, we hear uh, makes them happier. So it seems kind of contradictory, right? So you're right on both accounts. Um, flex work does make people pretty happy, though to contrast that, many people are not doing their best right now in terms of mental health. So, um, so I don't have the perfect answer to that question, of course, because you know people are still kind of collecting data and really understanding what's happening this year. But what I would imagine um, a huge variable with the circumstances are that when people are working from home right now, the conditions are not ideal. I've spoken with a great number of individuals working from home with their kids, for instance, and it's just totally not a normal situation. Um, typically, when people are working from home, they would only be working. They're not also focusing on homeschooling their kids. They're stressing out about their husband who lost his job from COVID or stressing out about getting sick or not having toilet paper or wondering if their jobs are going to be there tomorrow and things like that. So the uncertainty around everything is just not helpful. And I would say, even from some of the people I've spoken to, not everybody has a proper uh, working environment for 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 work. I, I mean, I, I spoke to some people that were in the midst of renovations as it started, um, so they didn't even have a house or a kitchen. Uh, others who never really worked from home, so they never had a, a proper desk. Uh, so they're working off the kitchen table or off a sofa, so ergonomics are bad. Um, but I'm sure there's also a lot of stresses at home as well. I've been hearing stories just like that. Yeah, it's it's difficult just to completely transition without without warning, and all of a sudden your whole work life looks completely different. Absolutely, because when I first started doing remote work, it was an intentional choice, right? So I'd invested in the right desk, the right ergonomic setups, the right environment. So even the choice of house was was conducive to to this type of work. Uh, I'm sure that isolation uh, also is not helping. Um, can you maybe double click on this a little bit as well? 
Oh yeah, exactly. Studies have shown that remote work can lead to perceptions of professional isolation and just loneliness in general for some people. And right now with social distancing, it's completely amplified. So yeah, I would say that's a huge factor contributing to all of this distress as well. People are really social animals. Um, we need each other. We need um, to be surrounded by other people. And the fact that so many individuals who are used to being surrounded by other people at work every day are now sent home and they're sent to work from home. But then on top of that, they can't hang out with their family and friends as much as usual because of the whole um, you know, pandemic situation. So it's, it's been really hard on people. I'm sure. Uh, and some of the coping mechanisms that, that people had with challenges they had in their personal lives as well before are not, not easily, easily accessible as well. Uh, so, so I'm completely convinced, absolutely, mental health is a critical point right now, a critical point of discussion that organizations need to have internally. Um, also know it's a good business decision to be concerned about the well-being of your employees. I've, I've alluded to it before in terms of the impact of mental health in terms of ability to focus on the job at hand, which is then also going to keep you uh, safe or not safe, right? Because if you, you're not able to have all your focus on on, on the focus, on the work in front of you, you're more likely to get injured and, and it can be a split second decision. Let's think a little bit about what leaders can do for their employees. Can you share maybe some thoughts on that? Yeah, um, great. So if you're a leader or in any type of supervisory position, there are definitely things you should think about. I love the PPE analogy that we wear personal protective equipment to deal with physical hazards, but right now we also need to be thinking about mental PPE. So we need to be dealing with invisible hazards that we can't see. And first and foremost, as a leader, it's so important to prioritize your own mental health. So similar to how you know you put on your oxygen mask before helping others on an airplane, you should take care of your mental health in order to best help others because if you are struggling psychologically, it's likely you're not as effective of a leader. You know, you might be struggling being perceptive or empathetic towards your own employees. So you have to make sure that you're doing okay first. And um, and this really pays off because, you know, and Eric, whenever we talk about good leadership, something we talk about so often is, you know, role modeling. So when you're acting as a role model for good mental health practices, this goes a long way because it signals to employees what's important and um, what they should care about. And it also helps to break down the stigma, which is actually, you know, the next point I would want to touch on is removing the stigma around mental health as much as possible. And I know this can be tough, but, you know, it's, it's all about letting your employees know that it's accepted and it's encouraged to discuss and prioritize their mental health. Um, one way you can encourage them to think about their own mental health is to let them know you take care of yours too. So, you know, connecting with them with resources too can be, yeah, a good way to touch base about it. Um, yeah, something else um, I would recommend is to build a culture that supports recovery. Um, recovery and downtime are really important for happy and productive workers. And you can take this kind of a step further by thinking about like, what are you doing to build that climate around recovery? So for example, um, there's an APA study showing that companies that encourage people to take their, vaca their uh, vacation time and to disconnect during that time have employees who come back feeling much more motivated, more productive than companies who are not really encouraging or those companies that kind of make employees feel guilty about taking time off. And the, the next thing I would suggest considering is offering um, a lot of empathy and active care at work. 
Uh, people really like it when you take genuine interest in them. Um, remember to check in with your employees regularly about their life outside of work and try to keep track of their experiences so you can kind of celebrate victories with them or grieve losses. Um, something I really like to remember is let's say you have an employee who has a mom in the hospital or um, right. somebody who has something really exciting, like maybe they have a child graduating. It's it's really, um, it's really easy just to set a calendar reminder for that or to have like a little journal where you jot those things down and then you can know when to reach out to someone um, to circle back around and things like that. So it's a good thing there. Yeah. And um, the next thing is making sure you offer as much schedule flexibility as you can. And I totally understand this is not um, applicable to all jobs, but if possible, try and structure work and deliverables to accommodate the possibility that life might interfere with work, especially right now. Everybody needs something different. Some are caring for young kids. Some are caring for old parents. Some just want their normal schedule back. So as much as possible, just giving people flexibility and control over how their work is done is going to really help people balance everything. And I know I've gone on for a long time, but I guess the last <laughs> thing I'll mention here is Something really useful for those working remotely now is understanding boundary management. Hmm. So this is all just about checking in with your employees so you can help them build a schedule and an environment that supports work for them to feel productive, refreshed, happy, all those things, and let them know that it's all right if their preferences are kind of different from your own. Um, for instance, if you like to send emails at 10 p.m., but this is out of normal work hours for your company, reassure them that there's no need to respond until the next day, that you just like checking email in the evening because the whole idea here is to reassure people that, you know, they're not on the hook for a 24-hour workday when they're working from home because we're all human and we need to rest. Great, great points. Um, and, and potentially even pressing a delayed send, uh, which I'm not necessarily notoriously good at doing, but uh, you can now schedule the, the, your email to go at a later time. Uh, so those are great tips for leaders. What if somebody isn't a leader and they're curious about things that they can do for themselves uh, or, or potentially even a loved one? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good one. And I, I'll start with an interesting one, um, which is to get out in nature more, because more and more research is coming out to support the fact that nature is really good for us. Something as simple as going for a walk is really good for stress relief, and spending time outside improves our ability to focus and is really good for our physical health, too. So if you live somewhere um, where it's safe and easy to go out on a walk, maybe without running into huge groups of people, I would go ahead and get out there. And um, let's say that's not an option for you or you're not comfortable doing that, um, maybe try bringing nature into your living space. So mm -hmm. um, research also shows that moving light patterns, like, you know, when the sun comes in through your window, through, a tr through tree branches and stuff like that, or it's really calming to our heart rate, keeps us focused. Um, maybe, maybe hang out on your porch more often or closer to windows, open the windows, things like that. Um, it, it can really kind of lighten your day and help to regain your focus there. And um, I know a lot of people are trying to reconnect, reconnect with nature right now. Right. I, I can imagine. I, I remember reading specifically even within nature, there was something about walking in a forest uh, that was even more impactful. Uh, and I can't remember mm -hmm. what it was, but it, that um, between walking in nature by a lake, as an example, versus in forests, that apparently there was something about trees and the smell of the forest 
that was was even better. Uh, also helpful for from a creativity standpoint uh, that shows up in a lot of the creativity creativity literature as well. Yeah, and then the less man-made uh, stuff you can be around, the better. So that makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, so the next thing you can do for yourself is to limit screen time. So that's also related to nature and kind of to limit news intake. And I mean, this tip kind of speaks for itself. Um, spending too much time engaging in media coverage, polarizing stories um, can kind of just be a stressor on its own. And Shifting to another concept here, um, oh, is it remembering to support one another. So, of course, this is really fundamental to mental health, but, you know, it's, it's all about reaching out and checking in with your coworkers. Ask them about how they're doing outside of work and make this a regular habit, not just a one-time thing that you do or a one-time right. occurrence. You, yeah, you really need to think about nuances associated with your culture, too. Are you working in a macho or kind of a male-dominated culture? And I say this um, because there's certain industries like this where pe people suffer silently more often. And we know suicide rates are high for industries that are dominated by men like construction. So mm -hmm. it's important, yeah, it's important that you kind of reach out and check in with how your coworkers are doing because, you know, you might make a huge difference in someone's life by doing that. Great point. I, I remember construction came up, firemen, police officers, um, all professions where there's a much, much higher suicide rate. Uh, and it, it reminds me of a, of a, of a theme uh, in Australia. They did some really good campaigns around this topic and it was introducing a simple word, which was, are you okay? Uh, and introducing that as common language within organizations to, to encourage check-in at key points throughout the day and over the, over periods of time, just really reinforcing that. Yeah, and thanks, Eric. That's that's really related um, because you know along similar lines, you shouldn't suffer silently either. Um, if you are having a difficult time, speak up and ask for support or help, um, or try advocating for yourself independently if that makes more sense in your scenario by maybe seeking out some resources like therapy or someone you trust. And too many people suffer silently and really wish that they've done something sooner. So. Um, that can just really make or break your experience. And, and finally, I saved this one for last uh, because it's extremely important, yet it seems really obvious to people, and it's to focus on self-care. So, you know, even though it's obvious, it's the first thing to slip through the cracks when things get stressful, but so much research supports the fact that a good routine, eating well, sleeping eight hours a night, um, can hugely impact your success and your mental health. So yeah, even though you're probably rolling your eyes at this obvious one, I have to put it in here because it's such a good reminder that so many of us need, especially because if we fall off the wagon, um, things just get really hard. Thank you. That, that's really good feedback, really good recommendations and ideas for everyone. Um, so what if somebody um, is, 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 wants to, to seek some therapy, some support, uh, but isn't comfortable leaving the home, uh, given everything that's happening. Uh, any thoughts about virtual therapy around this? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great thought. Um, so telehealth has definitely shown to be effective and people should look into that if they think it would be helpful for their stress or their anxiety or anything going on right now. And, um, and one example of a company doing telehealth well right now is BetterHelp. And it's, you know, it's worked well for a lot of people. Excellent. Um, it, it is definitely a much better idea to, to seek help now um, and do it remotely rather than putting it off. 
Uh, I'd like to wrap up our conversation by talking about uh, burnout. Uh, it comes up often in conversations. We recently had a question from a webinar attendee who's worried about burnout on her team. Uh, she said she supervises a team that has intense workload right now because of COVID-19 changes, and she's getting worried about burnout. It's clear her team members are feeling overwhelmed, like there isn't an end in sight. What would you tell her? Yeah, that's definitely a hot topic right now, and her concern's a good one, um, especially because, you know, if it's true that her team is feeling burned out, there's a lot of long-term negative consequences because burnout is deep, it's pervasive, it comes after a lot of prolonged stress, and it really it affects job performance. It affects everything down at the bottom line in a company. So thinking about it proactively is a smart idea. And um, so to start, the the tips that I kind of discussed for leaders, for um, individuals, are all good for burnout. So I would I would think about those. Um, but I would also think specifically about the stressors in your specific work environment and what you can do to build resources to meet the demands. Um, this will really depend on the job and the nature of the work. Um, but an example of this might be to think about how things have changed lately in terms of workload. So let's say your team is used to producing 15 reports a week, but now it's up to 20. It might be a good idea to introduce some type of resource for this new demand. Like it might be adding another ex employee to the team to distribute the load, maybe hire an intern or build more flexible deadlines or, you know, just something else that will help to reduce the stress. Because if things are changing and they're not going away, there has to be something put in place to help to adapt to that. And along similar lines, when things get really overwhelming, like there isn't an end in sight, it reminds me of some research that's been done showing that when people feel underwater, it works really well when we give them bite-sized goals or small wins because right. when you're drowning in a ton of long-term uncertainty, it's so easy to lose sight of goals. And, you know, psychologically, we love micro goals. They keep us motivated. They keep us engaged. So even mm. though there might be long-term goals associated with getting the company recovered or whatever it might be, you have to break these down as much as possible. It helps people connect what they're doing every day to something bigger, to like, you know, the big picture. And um, so some people have done this with whiteboards, um, like in hospitals, like with daily wins and progress charts and things like that. But this, yeah, but this can also be done virtually too, if your team is remote right now as well. So just something to think about, like really breaking things up as much as possible. Lastly, at the, at the front end, you talked a little bit about some um, demographics that were hit harder. So um, specifically those, I believe, under the age of 29, um, as well as kind of more frontline workers. Any thoughts around um, intervention approaches or would you keep it agnostic of, of that? Because it, it seems like there's definitely a, a bigger impact on, on within certain population groups. Um, and I'm wondering if there's any research that shows the why behind it, or even if there's a, a different tactic around those groups. Yeah, and I think a big reason why these groups are struggling so much when, you know, when you look at these different surveys, when you're looking at this data, is because of those factors um, such as job loss. You know, younger people are more likely to use or lose their jobs right now. Um, they are more likely to have children at home, you know, or, or younger children. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, having right. older children at home is not as stressful. 
Um, so I think, I think thinking about things like that and, you know, my default is whenever you're going to offer resources or you're going to offer interventions, my default is to make it equally accessible for all employees because yeah, you, ne you never know who is going to want it and you never know who's going to benefit from it. So it's mm -hmm. a good idea to make it accessible for everyone. But if you are going to kind of target interventions for certain people or, um, you know, reach out to see if anybody needs support, um, you know, the numbers show uh, those groups definitely could use that support. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for your time and for sharing some great ideas. Uh, this is such an important topic uh, that is not getting as much attention as it should. And there's so much that that leaders can do. There's resources you can you can draw from. You've talked a few about a few of them. Uh, a lot of employee assistance programs within organizations also have some some support resources and sometimes some webinars or speakers that can come speak to the organization. Um, so many resources out there, but thank you so much for talking about such an important topic. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the ops guru, Eric McCroskey.